Hi, I'm Christopher Stewart, CPD and Clinical Editor at Chemist and Druggist. In this podcast, I'll be speaking to Stephanie Bancroft about Parkinson's disease, specifically looking at how the condition presents, the side effects of common treatments, and the vital role of the pharmacy in providing patient care. I'm here with Stephanie Bancroft, Community Pharmacist and LPF Lead for London Northwest. First of all, I just want to ask, what is your interest in Parkinson's disease? I suppose my interest was stimulated by the fact that my mother suffered from Parkinson's disease. And when she was diagnosed, although I knew what was wrong with her, I felt that I was unable to support her or I didn't really know enough about Parkinson's disease. That encouraged me to learn more myself. And then I thought that it was a good learning opportunity for other pharmacists. So as part of my work with the local practice forum, I arranged educational events and we did an event on Parkinson's disease. Um, And from that, things have developed in a way that I hadn't really expected. And I'm now working with Parkinson's UK on developing uh, a new service for Parkinson's patients. Can you just tell us a bit about the background of Parkinson's? Like who is mostly affected and what effects do they see? It primarily affects patients over the age of 50 and usually they have comorbidities as well. So it can become quite complex. There are about 127,000 people in the UK with Parkinson's disease. The majority of those are the elderly. Well, they're not really elderly, they're over 50. Mm -hmm. But there are some much younger people who are affected under the age of 40. The ratio is more males than females in in a ratio of approximately 2 to 1. And the people under 40 that are are affected uh, is about 1 in 100. What sort of symptoms would someone suffering from Parkinson's start off with before it progressed? The main symptom is tremor, but tremor can be due to many different conditions. So you shouldn't just assume that it's Parkinson's Mm -hmm. disease. It's actually quite difficult to diagnose Parkinson's disease, and it should only be diagnosed by a specialist, usually a neurologist. Typically, how long does it take for someone to be diagnosed? Is it something picked up early, or does it take a while? It can take a while to be diagnosed, and by the time the patient is diagnosed, they've probably lost 60 to 80% of their dopamine receptors in the brain, and these aren't recoverable, and hence it's a uh, progressive neurological disorder. So is uh, it this degradation of those receptors which leads to the symptoms recognised in Parkinson's? I would say so. There are other symptoms besides the tremor. Um, there will be stiffness of movement, rigidity... Some patients have no facial expression. They are unable to smile or frown. They have this sort of glazed look. And quite often a neurologist will know that the patient's got Parkinson's disease the moment they walk in the room, not by the way they're walking or by their tremor, but because they've got this glazed facial expression. Alongside this sort of glazed facial expression, do patients with Parkinson's have other difficulties with communicating? Definitely. It slows everything down. You have, may, may have slurred speech, a monotonous tone to your voice, so no expression in your speech. You might have a hoarse or unsteady voice and your body language will be affected because possibly you're trying to mask your tremor and you can't really do two things. The concentration required is difficult. Typically, how does Parkinson's disease progress? So usually the patient is initially diagnosed and the symptoms will be there, but not necessarily very significant. They may need some medication. Um, 
but they're able to manage most things, albeit a little bit slower than before. Um, but as the degree disease progresses, these symptoms do become more significant. They are largely controlled by treatment, but of course the treatment can cause side effects. But this is called the maintenance phase. And that's the important phase where the patient needs to be empowered about their treatment so that they can recognise how they are getting on and what's, what's happening with their body and what works best for them in the way of treatment the patient will still be able to make their own decisions about how they feel and what works best for them. Of course, the, the disease is progressive, so it will go on to an advanced stage, um, which is more, much more complex. This is the complex stage. And I think at this stage, um, we're aiming for optimal symptom control. So we're trying to do what's best to control the symptoms, but not necessarily in the best interests of the patient. And then at the latter stages of the disease, it's palliative care, which really is only about dignity and alleviation of distress for the patient. So making sure that the patient is comfortable and helping them in, in a palliative way, but knowing that they are at the end stage. How I typically, once Parkinson's has been diagnosed, how is it then treated? The main form of treatment is with medication. Um, and the doctor will start the patient on a regime. It's not really the doctor, it's the specialist. All patients have to be initiated by a specialist mm -hmm. on treatment, and it will be reviewed and tweaked or changed, depending on how the patient responds. However, there are a lot of side effects with the medication, which sometimes are unbearable. The main side effect is dyskinesia, which mm -hmm. is um, involuntary movement. And unfortunately, uh, levodopa, the main side effect of levodopa is dyskinesia, and some patients find this intolerable. Um, so they're then given more medicine to try and counteract the side effects. Patients often have a lot of uh, non-motor symptoms, which will affect their quality of life and are probably more disturbing to the patient, such as they can't sleep, they can't swallow, uh, they can't move, they fall over, all of these sort of things need to be considered as well because you, you've got to balance the treatment mm. and the extra care that the patient is going to need in order to have any quality of life. Obviously, it's outside the remit of a pharmacist to diagnose a condition. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can spot it, but I might be wrong. And I would never say to a patient... I think you've got Parkinson's disease. Yeah, of course. It's not, not. It's just not not done. I mean, there are several types of Parkinson's disease as well, and there can be drug-induced Parkinson's. So, you know, it's something that you could think about, but not something that you could actually say to the patient. What sort of questions could you ask a patient who's on Parkinson's treatment to sort of assess, you know, if they need um, referred back to the doctor or if they need management of some of the symptoms I maybe didn't put sort of together with the treatment they're on? Well... If you're having a consultation with a patient with Parkinson's disease, you want to know that um, how they feel themselves. That's very important, how they're managing. You might want to ask them questions about timing of their medication. Are they remembering to take their medication as prescribed? Are they taking it with or after food? Because obviously absorption of the medicines will be different. Are they having any side effects from the medicines? Nausea is a big side effect. Um, and quite often they're given other medicines which they have to take half an hour before their Parkinson's medicines. So that makes the dosing regime more complicated. What other non-motor symptoms they have? 
For example, are they constipated? Because that will affect the absorption of the medicines. Some of these things you might be able to support them with or advise them on and make make them feel a bit better and make them feel that somebody is actually listening to what they're saying. Because quite often the diagnosis is a terrible shock to the patient. They're given their regime and told to go away and try it. They're called back to see how it's working. But they've forgotten what the specialist said in the first place. And although they might be assigned a Parkinson's nurse, nobody is reinforcing the importance of regular on-time medication, which prevents the on-off you know, if you don't take your medicines on time, you run out of dopamine, you're switched off. And then when you start again, you've got to get back to where you were before. So um, what's the benefit of sort of being able to be approachable to a Parkinson's patient as a pharmacist? I think there's always an, an opportunity for brief intervention. If you know a patient is on Parkinson's medicines, you can always ask them, how, how are you doing? How, how are you feeling? Do you have any problems when you're giving them their medicines rather than just handing them the bag of medicines? You should take every opportunity. Ask them if they need any support with anything. Have they got any questions? It could be not about their medicines, but about something else that's bothering them about their Parkinson's. Ask them when they last saw their consultant. They should be seeing a consultant every six to 12 months. I mean, that varies obviously on the number of consultants and how many patients are in a particular area, but they need to be regularly reviewed. And the GP is not the person to do that. The GP should not be changing the Parkinson's medication. It can only really be changed by the specialist who's initiated the treatment or the Parkinson's nurse who is a specialist who is keeping an eye on that patient and might see that there's some uh, changes needed. So you, you talked about the role of the GP and the consultant, but what sort of care plans in place for someone with Parkinson's disease other than looking at their treatment every 6 to 12 months? There is a gap in in, uh, communication. I've seen cases where the patient has seen the specialist and it has taken six weeks for the medicines to be uh, changed by the GP, which is ridiculous. So there is a need for better integration and better communication between all the people involved in the patient's care to make sure that the changes that the consultant makes are passed down to the patient. And you said all the people involved, is there usually carers involved or do Parkinson's patients tend to look after their own medication? Well, it depends on the, the, the degree of Parkinson's really, how, how bad they are. Most patients with Parkinson's will have a a carer or family member that's helping them. Um, But I suppose there are some patients who are completely alone and have to do it all themselves. And I suppose if you're in um, a care home, then somebody else is looking after your care. Uh, But there's a definite gap in communication there because there's no training for the care home staff on the understanding of on time, every time, for the medication if they don't know that the patient has to have the medicine at three o'clock in the afternoon when the drug rounds aren't taking place and that that patient will then go off because they've not had their medication and then they can't get a response from that patient, then that is a a big problem. Can you explain the sort of on-off of Parkinson's medication? Parkinson's medication increases the amount of dopamine. Different drugs do it in different ways. And the patient, shortly after taking their medication will then be able to move, have less tremor, um, be less stiff um, and do what they need to do. But as the drug wears off, the effects wear off. And once all the dopamine's gone, the patient will then be 
stiff and rigid and have their tremor back and not be able to do anything. So it's very important to time the medicines so that there is no off period, that the next dose of drug comes before you switch off and so that your dopamine levels are kept. And that can only be done by assessing the patient over a period of time, which is done sometimes at um, Parkinson's units where they have the patient in for the day and they will watch the patient and see how long the drug lasts and then when they need their next dose and then they will write to the GP and say this patient needs medication at 7 o'clock, uh, 10.30, uh, 1, 1.30 or 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock and the doctor will look at that and, and say right, five times a day that's what I'll put on the prescription but then if that information isn't conveyed to the pharmacist and the patient can't remember then there's obviously going to be a problem with compliance. What are the potential adverse effects are there of Parkinson's medication? Well, the main adverse effect is dyskinesia, which is involuntary movements such as jerking, twitching, spasms. Um, and they, that can affect any part of the body, and it can be mild or severe. It's most common with uh, levodopa. It's very difficult to control, um, you would consider reducing the amount of levodopa to reduce the dyskinesia, but then the patient might have off periods, which we've already talked about, which may be painful because they're stiff and rigid. It's patient has to decide which they can cope with and what and how and what's the level that they they really need to change the medication. Um, they also use a lot of energy with this dyskinesia, so they might need dietary advice to make sure that they're getting enough calories. Because if you're jerking about all day or for several hours a day, then you're using up a lot of calories. There's also um, some of the medicines, the dopamine agonists especially, but sometimes even levodopa, um, can cause uh, patients to have impulsive or compulsive behaviour. So impulsive behaviour is when they want to do things that might lead to harming themselves, so they might start gambling, um, shopping or binge eating, or they might become hypersexual, uh, so preoccupied by sex that it will cause problems with their family or personal life or work. And compulsive behaviour is when they have an urge to do something repetitively, and that is similar to OCD, where they you know, want to check that the tap's turned off and keep going back to check that the tap's turned off. This behaviour is often out of character and sometimes it will be the carer that spots this and will come and say to the pharmacist, I'm really worried about my partner or my mother or whoever because they've started doing something really weird um, and that could be due to the medicine. So in that case, the medicine has to be changed. I mean, they can also get hallucinations and delusions and if the drugs need to be stopped for anything, then there's... Um, neuroleptic malignant syndrome which can actually cause death um, so that's whenever the medication yeah, has sudden, been delayed if, or stopped yeah, sudden withdrawal can cause that it is rare but it just highlights the point that Parkinson's patients need to have their medicines on time every time if you've got to stop the patient patient's medication because of perhaps the impulsive compulsive uh, behaviour then that has to be done by a specialist under controlled conditions. So what should you um, advise a patient who's coming in and maybe the side effects are bothering them and they're, they're simply said, I don't want to take this anymore, what, what's the first line you should well, say? Well, 
you mustn't stop taking your medication. Um, but I would recommend that you make an appointment with your specialist immediately and even offer to phone for them. Yeah. Because especially if you're in a consultation with them and this happens um, and, um, y- you know, you can you can phone the GP and say, I've got this problem with this patient um, and um, they've agreed th- that they need an appointment with their specialist. Can you tell me when the last appointment was? and who the, who the specialist is or his phone number, and I'm happy to call on the patient's behalf. Or would you like to call on the patient's behalf? So um, they need to be seen, not just on their routine appointment. I just want to ask regarding interactions, are there any medications which generally interact with Parkinson's disease treatments? Absolutely. So um, there are some drugs that cause Parkinson's-like symptoms, and so they should be avoided. Most of these are, I suppose, antidepressants, antipsychotics, and there are two anti-nauseants, metoclopramide and prochlorperazine, which is a problem because Parkinson's medicines, as I said earlier, cause nausea. So the drug of choice for uh, as an anti-nauseant is domperidone. Um, so if you see a Parkinson's patient who's not been prescribed domperidone and is on, is on metoclopramide or prochlorperazine, that needs to be stopped and changed. What sort of changes do we need to make in our practice as pharmacists to accommodate these patients? I think the most important thing is to give the patient a little more time. Parkinson's patients will be slow to respond, and that's because of the nature of their illness. They can't process things as quickly as normal people, and then they may have problems with communication skills. They also tend to, if they're put in a difficult situation, that will make their symptoms worse and make them more aware of their symptoms. So it compounds the fact that they are not unable to tell you. So you've got to give them time, wait for them to speak, perhaps ask the question in a different way if you can see that they're struggling, and get them to open up a little bit about the other difficulties they have, not just the side effects of their medicines, but the other problems that they're having. Regarding patients who've had Parkinson's and it's obviously a progressive disease, can Parkinson's kill these patients? Most patients who have Parkinson's usually um, die of another illness that has been probably caused by the Parkinson's but is not the Parkinson's that's, that's making them pass away. Um, for example, they may have a heart problem. They may, because they're unable to swallow their medicines or their food, they may have aspiration in the lung, which will eventually lead to uh, pneumonia. They may have inability to move, which is a common pneumonia problem. If they're not mobile, then they're more likely to succumb. Stiffness, they may fall, um, and then they may fracture something, which then leads to hospitalisation, then pneumonia, immobility. There are lots of different ways... um, that Parkinson's can affect the patient but not necessarily cause them to die from Parkinson's. Um, other than medical treatments, what other therapies are available? Oh Well, there is a therapy called deep brain stimulation which works by having um, a neurotransmitter implanted in the brain and then it's controlled by a device that's in, in the chest, um, similar to a pacemaker, I suppose. And there have been some remarkable results with patients who have um, severe tremor or dyskinesia. Once this machine is switched on, that all disappears and they can have 
a better quality of life without the, the excess movements that Parkinson's and the levodopa produce. So every every patient who has Parkinson's disease, it's a multidisciplinary team that should mm-hmm. be looking after these patients. So you've got um, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, speech and language therapists, really important because they deal with swallowing as well. Of course, the Parkinson's nurses who are specialists, dietitians, um, and pharmacists who are dispensing the medicines for these patients. And that's on top of the consultant at the top of the list and the GP who is um, giving the monthly prescriptions for the patient. Um, So occupational therapists will help with how a patient can change what they do to make it easier basically to make things more manageable for the patient. So, for example, if the patient can't fasten buttons to wear clothes that don't have buttons or have some other form of fastening, that would help the patient. Uh, Physiotherapists help the patients use their muscles in different ways. For example, if you place your foot, heel of your foot on the floor first, it helps with your balance. Parkinson's patients often shuffle or take little tiny steps. So if you place your foot down firmly... This will help you to be steadier. And they should, every patient should be offered some form of physiotherapy. Posture is important to, to make sure that your, your back is straight and not bending over and helping with falls because if you've got a better balance and posture, you're less likely to fall. Um, there's other things like turning over in bed, um, difficult for a Parkinson's patient, and that can lead to uh, bed sores if they're not moving regularly. Um, speech and language therapists will help with ability to speak, controlling that communication skill, um, also facial expression. And then surprisingly, speech and language therapists help with the swallowing technique, which you wouldn't really expect. You'd expect the somebody like the dietitian to be, but it isn't. It's the speech and language therapist. And they will assess the patient quite thoroughly on how they're chewing and swallowing and make a decision on what type of food the patient should be eating in order to prevent lung aspiration and uh, weight loss. Um, because if you're not eating, you're not going to be putting on any weight or keeping your weight stable. Can the swallowing issues affect the sort of medication? The form yes. of the medication comes? Yeah, the form of the medication, definitely. So there aren't many. Uh, in fact, I can only really think of one soluble form of levodopa, a dispersible tablet, which isn't really soluble um, and not very pleasant to take. There are, of course, uh, patches now available um, for some patients. And there's an injectable apomorphine, yes, apomorphine, which is given by injection or infusion pump. It's safe for more advanced uh, advanced Parkinson's or for those that don't respond well to drug treatments, oral drug treatments. So, yes, so the speech and language therapist will decide that the patient can't swallow steak and chips. (laughs) and needs to have a softer diet, so they'll recommend perhaps a minced mashed diet, is able to make sure that the food that they're going to have isn't going to choke them. The Parkinson's nurses have got specialist knowledge, and patients would often see the Parkinson's nurse either or the consultant, but there is a gap in the service. There aren't enough Parkinson's nurses. I think there's about 300, and obviously... If you consider how many patients have got Parkinson's disease that might need to see a Parkinson's nurse, that's very thin on the ground. There is, in fact, one pharmacist who's um, trained as a Parkinson's nurse, pharmacist with special interest in Parkinson's disease. 
And there is the thought that pharmacists could be trained as, as an alternative to the Parkinson's nurse. So we could have a team of pharmacists who are supporting patients if we can't get enough nurses. And as there's a lot of pharmacists, or perhaps more pharmacists available now, that might be a, a new work stream for them. How well understood is the condition generally? Obviously, it's at the forefront at the moment. Um, Muhammad Ali sadly passed away a number of weeks ago. But before likes of him and Michael J. Fox, I wasn't too aware of the condition. Would you say that it's not particularly well known? I think people know about the disease, Parkinson's, but they perhaps don't know the lifetime effects of Parkinson's. And it's unfortunate that it takes a celebrity to profile it because 127,000 people living with Parkinson's have to live with it every day. And if more people were aware of the problems that they face, they perhaps would be more tolerant of those people. And if the healthcare professionals were all on the same level, all understood, there would be better integration of care and we'd be looking at the patient more holistically rather than saying, well, you've got Parkinson's, here are your medicines, Um, you'll get an appointment with the nurse in three months' time and we'll see you in six months' time. That's not necessarily very helpful for the patient. Do you have any tips for pharmacists on how they can help their patients take their medication correctly? Yeah, there are a few things that you can suggest. Um, Depending on how uh, competent the patient is, you could start off with a, a simple chart which the patient ticks and it reminds them to take their medicine and they can see immediately if they haven't taken it. Then you can have a, a device that um, al- sends an alarm. And there are a couple of companies that make these sort of devices that remind you to take your medication. Later stages, where you're on lots of medication and perhaps medication for other comorbidities, you might need a monitored dose system. And so the pharmacist can assemble one for the patient. But that can be actually very complicated to do. Most monitored dose systems only contain spaces for four times a day. And a Parkinson's patients can be taking medicines up to eight times a day. So um, in the past, I've done two separate boxes, one from 6am till 2pm and the next one from 2pm till 10pm. And you have to overlabel all the dosage times. But if that helps the patient to stay in control, reduces their symptoms and keeps them out of any off periods, then it should be done. I know it's a lot of extra work, but it's quality of life you're looking at here. And you don't want people trapped in a wheelchair, basically. So if they can um, have their medicines given to them or prompted to them at certain times of the day and they haven't got to remember which ones they need to take when and it's all ready for them, then that will make their life easier. And then, of course, there's making sure that they can swallow their medicines. Really, really important. And if they can't, then something definitely needs to be done about that. And that's where the pharmacist can make the recommendation back to the uh, GP who then contacts the specialist or perhaps the patient can be empowered to do that themselves. MUR report can go back and a copy can be given to the patient and um, the patient feels as though they're actually doing something to help themselves. Every patient should be signposted to Parkinson's UK. They have an enormous wealth of experience and um, information that can support the patient. Um, There's somebody there to talk to, 
there's advice, there's absolutely everything that you could need. They've got leaflets on every aspect of Parkinson's disease. For a pharmacist wanting to find out more, can they go to the Parkinson's UK website? Yes, there's a professional section of the Parkinson's UK website. There's a foundation uh, programme for pharmacists, which I would thoroughly recommend um, because it doesn't just talk about the medication, but it talks about the experiences of the people and a lot about the non-motor symptoms that Parkinson's patients can experience and how these affect the medication that they're taking and how you can help that patient. That was Stephanie Bancroft discussing Parkinson's disease. For more Chemist and Druggist CPD podcasts, keep an eye out on our website or follow us on Twitter at Chemist Druggist.